Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football bounced back with a dominant win over Indiana. We discuss the victory and the path ahead for the Wolverines in the Big Ten East. And with the basketball season starting this week, we talk some hoops too, right here on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, recording here on a Monday morning. First thing I got to ask, I left the press box before you guys on Saturday night or really Sunday morning at that point. I have to know, were you both still together in the press box when the clock went back from 2 a.m. to 1 a.m.? Did you get to share that moment together? Mm. I think Ryan left. <laughs> yeah, I think I left before that. Yeah, because I, I think during my walk home, my mile and a half walk home, that's when it when it changed yeah so i was like oh wait then it threw me off so is it really like two right now or is it kind of three back to uh, it kind of threw me off i don't even know how much sleep i got that night but it didn't feel didn't feel like it was a lot even though we got an extra hour yeah the sun came up an hour earlier so i'm all for it all right well michigan you know there were there were questions about how they'd bounce back after this Michigan State game. And, you know, they they answered some of them. They answered all of them in one way or the other. The result was a 29-7 to victory. Slow start to this game, you know, 3 nothing after the first quarter. You know, then 10-7 Michigan uh, after Indiana, what, what turned out to be their only points of the game. But Michigan responds. Asan Haskins takes a handoff and goes down the sideline for 60-something yards and, and sets up a touchdown. And Michigan just sort of, Coasted from there, I guess. What were your both you guys, you know, major major takeaways from this game? Well, they got the running game going again. Uh, that was something they didn't really have last week against Michigan State. You know, obviously it was a part of their offense they leaned on early in the year and kind of been the backbone of, of what they were, you know, their identity. So in that regard, they, you know, it was certainly success. I mean, Hassan Haskins, had, you know, probably you can call it a career game. I guess you know, twenty seven carries, one hundred sixty eight yards, a touchdown. He averaged six point two yards per carry. So, I mean, there's good things in that regard. They didn't have, again, they didn't have to do much in the passing game. Kate McNamara only threw 18 times, but no, you know, no turnovers. It was good. I guess the downside, and we'll probably get into that in a minute, is, is the potential injury ramifications. They had several guys go out in and out of the game on Saturday. Some stayed out, and that's kind of going to be the, uh, you know, the thing to watch this week going into a pivotal game at, at Penn State. Yeah, I agree. The injuries are are definitely noteworthy heading into the Penn State week. But I was kind of, I mean, the defensive effort w- was great, but I'm kind of surprised of more of the personnel they used <laughs> against Indiana. I mean, Michael Barrett came out of nowhere and played 45 snaps when he largely has been uh, very much a death player to begin the season. And I guess it was to combat uh, the up-tempo offenses that, that Mission, uh, at least Michigan State ran against them the previous week. And yeah, I mean, he was lining up at, at inside linebacker a little bit over some slot receivers and, and dropping back in coverage. And I mean, I thought he, he played pretty well. And overall, a really stifling effort on, on defense, especially in the second half outside of that, that touchdown drive Indiana had where Donovan McCauley had a couple couple big throws and, and that one big 24-yard run to get a first down and set up the touchdown. I mean, Michigan, I think they had three straight three and outs in the, in the second half. Four. I mean, four straight, yeah. So it was uh, – it was impressive, but yeah, again, it's it's against an Indiana offense with a third string true freshman quarterback. But got to take care of, of who's on your schedule, and I think defensively they they definitely did that. But red zone offense, three for six for touchdowns again. So another, I mean, obviously it didn't matter too much against Indiana, but like man, like the, the struggles to find to get in the end zone consistently continue. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, Michael Barrett out there playing where you right, right. There was, as you said, there was kind of a reason for it. So you, you think about some of the things that were, that were issues, you know, against Michigan state and, you know, they, they corrected some of them. I mean, there was that to kind of combat, you know, tempo offense. There was getting the running game going a little more and, and the defense getting back on track. I mean, it looked like a lot of the wins Michigan had earlier this season where, you know, they run the ball well and they just play stifling defense. They use Michael Bear as kind of a security valve. You know, if you if you go back and watch the game, he was lined up kind of in like a, a slot corner spot, you know, almost like a like where Dax, they had Dax Hill earlier on in the year. I think that was obviously to combat the up-tempo offense, but to give Michigan an extra blanket of coverage in, in the run game. You know, it's almost like they, they should have used him last week. You know, it's he's almost like a week, week too late in that regard. Because if you look at the numbers, Michael Barrett isn't very strong in, in pass coverage. You ask him to defend a receiver, he's not very good at it. And that was kind of evident on Saturday when Indiana ran that that flea flicker trickery play, whatever you want to call it. And Don McCulley threw the ball and, and found a receiver in triple coverage. Barrett was the primary guy on the guy, and he still caught it. So Barrett isn't great in pass coverage, but he, he can tackle. He's a bigger body, and he can help stop the run. So it certainly helps Michigan in that regard. As Zook noted, he played more snaps than he had all season long. I think he played, was it, 45 snaps on Saturday? Yeah. They have found a role for him, I guess, at least for one week. But it, it will be notable to watch how they utilize him going forward because up until Saturday, you know, we as we've talked about, I think, in the past, they just haven't used him a ton. He just kind of doesn't fit their scheme or their mold of what they're looking for from linebackers because last year he kind of played that hybrid linebacker safety role in Don Brown's defense that could kind of – do a lot of things, but as I mentioned, he wasn't great in pass coverage and he was probably above average in run defense. So I think Michigan, I think they can utilize him more there. I suspect they'll utilize him more, you know, in that position going forward. But again, it's probably going to be dependent on who, you know, who or what type of offense they're playing. So what do you guys make of the passing game? Because part of me want, uh, is thinking, okay, they did what they needed to do. You know, the game plan, it didn't require much passing, much like many of the earlier games in the season. And, you know, the games that they kind of did when the run game wasn't, you know, working as well, you know, Wisconsin and and, and Nebraska and, and Michigan State, I guess they had both going against Nebraska, but you know what I mean? When they needed to throw to, to move the ball and, and get some points, like they did for the most part, they were successful. So I don't know, there's that, but then there's also, all right, just still not not much down the field. You kind of hit, you know, you hit that one long pass play, you know, fifty yarder down the field. But I don't know, ten of eighteen hundred sixty eight yards. There's just not much there. Kind of what's what's your take on it? I still think people know or understand more why why Cade's the starter than JJ, though. I will say that. Sure, I'm torn because yeah, like you know, Cade was ten of eighteen for one hundred sixty eight yards, two touchdowns, no no turnovers. But like you know, as you mentioned, there just wasn't a ton of down the field action. No, there were, I'm looking at the numbers right now, three pass plays over 20 yards. Mm-hmm. It was weird because, you know, Kate threw for 168 yards, 108 of them were to Cornelius Johnson. And I'm sitting there after the game, looking at the box score. And I'm like, Cornelius Johnson, 108 yards receiving. <laughs> Cause it's like, you know, right. he, he had that big catch for 50. And then after that, I mean, I guess he averaged, you know, 21 yards to catch, but it just didn't seem like Michigan wanted to throw the ball a ton or need really needed to throw the ball a ton. And they were clearly trying to lean on the, on the run game again which is fine against a, you know, inferior opponent like Indiana, but as you know, the competition is going to ramp up again. I mean, we got Penn state on Saturday, probably going to have to throw the ball a little bit more, but again, they were fine. I mean, it's, it's almost been like we want to knock the passing game or find holes to poke in it. And, and there are some, 
but they did the job, you know, there were no, at least from Kate's perspective, no turnovers, you know, he was fine. He hit receivers as needed. They got multiple guys involved. Uh, Andrew Anthony had a catch, you know, Luke Schoonmaker, they got involved, who came in and filled in nicely for uh, Eric Hall, who, who did not play. So, I mean, it's moving along. They're getting more guys involved. I, I think more guys are getting comfortable. And I, I think that's where this passing game uh, can make the biggest leap. It's on the receiver's end, the receiver end, because we know we're going to get out of Cade McNamara. We know what he likes to do and how he can throw the football. Now it's up to the receivers to develop and get open and make those plays. And if they can do that, then I think this passing game is just fine, complementing the run game. But, I mean, there's there's question marks to the run game now, too, especially if Hassan's going to you know, be leaned on so much. So next few weeks will be interesting just from a health standpoint and just from a personnel standpoint of who Michigan has available for these games. Yeah, it also didn't help that Angel Anthony and AJ Henning both left early. Your primary passing running back or catch, or yeah, who can catch the ball in the backfield, Blake Corum goes out of the first or second series. So yeah, I mean, I, it did surprise me that they started to rely on Haskins after that, just because there there were so many there were limited options available. Eric All wasn't playing, so it's like okay, you want the passing attack to to shine, but like you, you can only do so much with, with the personnel that you have out there. So not surprising at all. Hopefully Michigan can get some guys back next week because they're going to need them against Penn State. Jim Harbaugh sounded optimistic after the game on Saturday about some of these injuries. Now, he didn't definitively say anything about anyone. I have to think, you know, Eric All did what he was dressed before the game on Saturday. He was in uniform during pregame warm-ups participating it sounded like they just decided not to play him. So he probably could have played if they had to. So I suspect he's going to play Saturday. AJ Henning and, and Andrell didn't look too banged up. They're able to run up the tunnel to the, to the uh, locker rooms. I don't think it's anything major there. The one name I'm, you know, if I'm a Michigan fan, you're, you're obviously concerned about is Blake Corum. You know, he came out of that game, did not return. It looked like he had a boot or some type of thing on his right foot leg. You know, Jim Harbaugh didn't, he made, said it didn't sound too serious. But he didn't. He didn't say it for sure either. So you know, if Corum cannot go, that obviously limits your your options in the run game. And one name I forgot to even mention, you know, Donovan Edwards, the, the third string running back, who would certainly help with that depth running back. He again sat out Saturday. wasn't even dressed, so he wasn't even available. So if that continues, Michigan could be down to one, you know, potentially one experienced back. They could play Tavier Dunlap. He did get a couple of carries Saturday. But he just he hasn't done much this year, so it would put all of the you know the the onus on, on Hassan for for carries. We haven't even talked about as far as injuries to the quarterback. I mean, Cade McNamara for the second game in a row now, you know, spending time in the in the medical tent, you know, missing action. It's sometimes hard to tell because you know JJ McCarthy obviously all season has played at times, so it's not you know unusual to to see him on the field. But in some of these cases, it appears now it's because McNamara is not available, and you know just dealing with some things banged up, you know, is, is the, are the phrases we get. And I don't know, it's just not trending in a great direction. We've seen this before with Michigan where, you know, they just can't keep the quarterback healthy throughout the season. And you go into that Ohio state game, either, you know, in some years without the guy or with a, you know, limited version of, of your starting quarterback. And, and that is not, that is not ideal, you know, especially, especially in this year when, you know, you figure you're going to have to put up a lot of points to beat Ohio state. So that's something to watch as well. Yeah, the injury sounds like something Kate suffered at the Michigan State game because Jim Harbaugh was asked about it after the game. He said it was a continuation from last week. He was in and out of the medical tent, as you said, but he did go back into the game afterwards. So it, to me, it's probably something lingering, whether it's an internal thing or a shoulder thing. I, you know, I, I can't say it for sure. 
but there were a lot of guys in and out of that, in that medical tent on Saturday. Some of them returned, some of them did not. So it's, this certainly sounds like something McNamara is playing through. I will say he is scheduled to talk to us, the reporter, the media this week. So I, I don't think it's going to affect much, you know, in terms of his status for Saturday. I suspect he's going to play again. But yeah, you wonder, you know, what percentage he's he's feeling, you know, right. Yeah, some of these things get lost in a twenty-nine to seven win. But I wanted to ask, did did Arba address either of these things at all? Because you know, I'm in the Indiana press conference, and I you know I try to watch these things after, but I haven't haven't seen all of it yet. Michigan's drives at the end of the first half and the start of the second half, they're just some strange things. Uh, I, I thought 90 seconds left in, in the half, third and 18, Michigan sends out J.J. McCarthy for his first snap of the night, or what would be, but then calls timeout. And when they come out of that huddle, McNamara is back at QB, but then Indiana calls timeout. And when they come out of that one, McCarthy's back out there, ends up you know scrambling around, throwing into a bunch of traffic, incomplete. That was bizarre. And then to start the second half, Fourth and one on Michigan's own 30. Looks like maybe they're just trying to draw Indiana offsides, but then they actually do snap the ball. Looks like they're going to pick up the first down, but the refs blow it dead because Michigan apparently calls timeout after that timeout. Michigan punts. It's just kind of some bizarre stuff. I don't know if there's any, again, there's so much else going on after the game. I wouldn't be surprised if he never discussed it. But Yeah, he, he wasn't asked. But yeah, it, it was a weird situation, especially those, those alternating timeouts and, and using McCarthy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a jockeying for position and trying to get, like, you know, get a matchup thing going. Um, but yeah, he, Jim wasn't asked about it. Sounds like you have a couple of questions to ask uh, today at, at availability. I don't know. Maybe the moment has passed at this <laughs> point, but they are strange, especially the second one, honestly. Are you going to go for it or you're, or you're not, but then you end up calling timeout, wasting a timeout early, early in the half. But all right. Well, you know, Big Ten East, um, you know, Michigan knew before they even took the field, you know, a, a little more open. I mean, Michigan was always going to have to just win their games and, and focus on that. But you know, Michigan State, one of the undefeated teams, a team that, of course, would hold the head-to-head tiebreaker over Michigan, loses to Purdue. And, you know, you still you still got these Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, uh, all these teams still to play each other here in these in these final three weeks. But Michigan now in, in a little better, in a better spot than they were before Saturday, yes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need uh, you need Michigan State to lose. You know, you needed a break. You need two losses from the, you know, toward down the stretch here. They got one right away, and that's going to open things up here because Michigan State's got Ohio State in a couple of weeks. The assumption here is probably Ohio State beats them, but I guess you never know. But yeah, it's wide open. Michigan's now tied for second, you know, in, in the Big Ten East with Michigan State. Michigan State obviously holds a tiebreaker because of the head-to-head win, but one more Michigan State loss and Michigan winning these final three games, that would assumingly put them into the, uh, the Big Ten title game. Now, that's a lot a lot going on. There's a lot to, to ha- needs to happen there, but the road is certainly a little more wider than it was last week for Michigan. It was almost a, a perfect weekend for, for Michigan fans, but, of course, Scott Frost's Nebraska team uh, failed to close out a game or come up with a big play late once again, and uh, Ohio State was able to survive a scare from, from the Cornhuskers. But, yeah, it, it's shaping up to be a, a fascinating last Three weeks of the season for sure. Yes. Nebraska loses by nine points. And, you know, like you said, you know, close game. They failed to close it out that that nine points so that they lost by that. That's their biggest margin of defeat all year. They've got seven losses and that's the biggest one. Um, so that's just that's just the kind of season it's been for Nebraska. All right. Yeah. So we'll be looking, you know, to get more information on, on injuries, who's available, who's not potentially for this Penn State game. 
Um, I saw, you know, Michigan is a one point underdog early line. Give or take. Yep. Yeah. Not, not surprising that it's viewed as that tight of a matchup, but yeah, we'll have, we'll have plenty more coverage of that throughout the week. The basketball season, as I mentioned in the intro starts this week, you know, the women play on, on Tuesday at home uh, against IUPUI, the men open Wednesday uh, against Buffalo at home, you know, Tuesday night is the kind of big opener for all of college basketball. And you've got that, that champions classic with Kansas and Michigan state and, and Duke playing Kentucky this year in, in New York. But you know, the, the Michigan men at least will play the next night. I'll, I'll tell you that. I mean, the coaches, I you know coaches are always scared of, you know, the, of, of all opponents. They, they always, you know, dream up these scenarios where, you know, these upsets happen or whatever, but especially for this first game, I mean, I think they're, they're very, uh, they, they respect Buffalo a ton. That could be maybe a more interesting game than, than people think, you know, got our first look at them at a, in an exhibition game at, at division two, Wayne state, the first 10 minutes didn't go so well for Michigan, but the last 30, you know, Michigan absolutely dominated. The ball movement was, was really crisp. The defense was, was stifling. Really the only issue was early on, you know, giving up some offensive rebounds and, you know, overall some, some turnovers, um, you know, finishing with, with 17 for the game, but none of that entirely, you know, unexpected for just kind of your first, first public performance uh, of the year. So we'll see a couple guys were not available for Michigan. Zeb Jackson dealing with a, uh, an illness. It's not COVID they say, but you know, he's, he's got an illness that has kept him out for a little while here. I'll note he did not, he was out when, you know, we got to watch practice on Michigan media day now, you know, a few weeks ago and Frankie Collins freshman guard was out with a groin injury. Someone within the program did tell me that if that had been, if he was in the same state like this week for a, reg, a real game, like he would have played. So it was an exhibition game. So it was more precautionary that he kept out. So I, w- I would not think that would be, you know, a long-term thing. I think he'd probably, my guess is he'll be available for Tuesday. What do you guys think about me changing my my name to Zeb? How cool is Zeb Zook be? Zeb double Z. Double Z. <laughs> Man, sorry. I just uh, had a little moment of infatuation there so moving on <laughs> yeah, sure. all right well yeah it's uh yeah so it should be you know michigan number six in the in the ap preseason poll i mean i, I think you know what you saw in the exhibition just kind of confirmed a lot of things there's going to be there's freshman contributors on this team for sure you know caleb houston in the starting lineup musa diabate bringing a lot of energy off the bench you know in either that power forward or center spot but like not all the freshmen are going to be part of the rotation at the end of the day you know, you're probably going to play seven, eight, nine guys in, in most of these important games. And you just got to go down the line. I mean, it means guys on scholarship, including probably some of the freshmen, you know, are not really going to be part of that regular rotation. So you, know, you see the starters and, and, and Diabate and Kobe Bufkin seems to be maybe higher up on the depth chart as far as guard backcourt depth and Terrence Williams at multiple spots in the front court. Uh, so that, that gets you to eight right there. So yeah, we'll see how it all shapes out, but yeah, game against game against Buffalo at home Tuesday, and then they go to Washington D.C. to play Prairie View A and M. That game itself isn't supposed to be particularly competitive. You know, it's part of this coaches versus racism event, so it's more about what's happening kind of off the court than than on the court in that one. But we'll see how it goes. And then yeah, the women, like I said, IUPUI, and then St. Francis uh, from Brooklyn coming in on on Saturday. They'll raise the banner in that one on Saturday for the women. Their Sweet Sixteen banner the men will raise it in their home opener for their big 10 championship on wednesday so yeah that's the that's the basketball report quick zook what does iupui stand for (laughs) 
I always wanted, I was sort of looked this up and I knew that something. Oh my gosh, come on. I find most people don't. I'll ask my random friends and they don't know either. Who would, why would you know that unless you're like some like crazy fan of IU, blah, 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 I. (laughs) I can't even say that fast. Indiana Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Of course. I knew Indiana, but then I, I didn't know like nothing else. Wouldn't have come close. I, I suspect there are many other people listening and didn't know either. So there's your trivia for the week. Yeah, they should be, you know, I was talking to someone that said, you know, they should be a interesting test too. you know, kind of a smart team and maybe a little tricky system to prepare for. But still, the women should be heavily favored still to win that game. Uh, Nas Hillman took a, took a few threes in the in their exhibition, made a couple of them right straight on from the top of the key wide open. But wow. you know, that's something to to watch for as she, you know, expands her game. So I, I don't uh, think she took any last year. If I'm if yeah, it was, it was just, it was a couple. Correct. Most. I think, I think I, I remember looking for, you know, some of the preseason stories. It was like one in her career. And I think the thought was, it was the memory of, of Kim Barnes Rico was that it was, you know, a end of a quarter situation from right. you know, <laughs> half court or something like that. So yeah, even, even like the foul line jumper was kind of rare for her. So just a little, well, another element to watch, but yeah, we'll have, we'll have full coverage of that. And of course, Michigan football leading up to this big game against Penn State. So we'll look for our coverage there. We got something to add, Zook? I mean, Michigan hockey did sweep Michigan State this week. So I thought I'd just throw that in there. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah. There you uh, go. Seven to two on Friday. I was at that game. The best game I've seen Michigan play in, in the last few I've covered. So, and then uh, obviously was not at Saturday's game, but they got out ahead three nothing in the first period and held on for a three to do three to two victory. So, wouldn't be surprised if Michigan moves back up to number one in the in the national rankings again today. So we'll see. There we go. A lot of top 10 teams, top 15 teams here in Ann Arbor. All right. Continued coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. And thank you for listening.